Dear listener, you are now listening to Black Box Theater Podcast, a podcast where we give the microphone to artists who in one way or the other are connected to the theater. During Oslo Internationale Teaterfestival 2021, we are releasing our Black Box Theater publication number six, and besides being a physical book, the five contributions in the publication are made listenable in this podcast series. Each contribution will be released as an episode of the podcast. While listening to the podcast, you can also have a look in the book and the illustrations in it at blackbox.no. In the publication, we invited eight contributors to give us insight in their own ways into their artistic practice, personal stories and current public debates. Each of the contributors helped to enlighten us and pick our curiosity so that we hopefully can think in new directions. You are now about to listen to these people read and talk about their own contributions. Every second day during the festival, a new episode will be released. First out is a conversation between Maritea Dalin and me, Elin Amundsen-Grinacher. For the publication, Maritea made a visual text that has the title Stuck in the Sound of the Word. This hybrid text is revolving around the words said and unsaid, hidden and exposed, and about the availability of meaning. This is a conversation about how the text came to life. We are in Lille Scene at Black Box Theater. Uh, we have made an even more COVID-friendly studio than we had the last time. We had this uh, the guest we have today visiting um, for the podcast. In the studio, we have the pleasure of welcoming Maritia Darlin, who is the artist behind the first contribution of Black Box publication number six. Welcome, Maritia. Thank you, Elin. <laughs> we can start by telling the listener that we usually talk Norwegian together. So there might be a chance of some Norwegian words and also some embarrassment that it will sneak in during the conversation. But I guess that will work in the setting uh, because we're talking about this visual text that you made that is called Stuck in the Sound of the Word. And the text is a mix of English, Norwegian and Spanish. And the reason why we speak English now uh, is that the podcast is released during the Oslo Internationale Teaterfestival, where we hope there will be international listeners. We even rehearsed on our way out here today <laughs> in English. So in this series of readings of the text uh, in Black Box Theater Publication 6, we talked about if it would make sense to read your contribution, Maritea, and concluded quite fast that we should rather have a talk about how this hybrid text or visual text came to life. And the reason for this is that this contribution contains both, or your contribution contains both of uh, words that are readable and black fields covering some words. And these black fields sometimes create patterns. Can you, Maritia, describe for the listener how stuck in the word this visual text looks? 
And also, sorry for the listener who wants to have a look, uh, you can go to www.blackbox.no and look at the publication number six at Maritea's uh, contribution. So can you tell a bit about uh, how, it, how it looks? Yes, I will try and describe it as it has various forms. Um, there are parts where uh, words or sentences has, have been covered in black or in red. Um, and there are other parts where there are two texts on top of each other and with some geometric forms. Or where one letter becomes uh, a bigger pattern. And also there are some parts that are more like normal text uh, or poems. Mm. I think that's it, no? Mm. So some parts are more like about the specific subjects and other are more, it's harder maybe to grasp exactly uh, what it's talking about. Yeah, mm. and some parts are almost all the text covered and just a couple of words visible, yeah. repeating themselves or mm. repeated. So you say there's several topics in the text. Can you tell us something about what topics you're treating? Yeah, um, I wanted to kind of create uh, a landscape of various subjects. So it was a very long process. I think we will get into that a bit later of trying to find um, what to talk about and in which way as there were some subjects that I was feeling were very urgent and personal, personal at the moment. Mm. Um, so it kind of landed on being this, uh, uh, as I said, this landscape where various subjects could um, kind of uh, have space at the same time. So both this that felt extremely important at that moment um, in my life or in the life of others that were surrounding me and other less personal subjects. Um, and it could also be very random ones as uh, uh, a song played at a cafe or it can also be um, the never-ending presence of death. Um, as I think when you've experienced it, is there and it will always be there, no? Mm. So um, I was trying to let these subjects be present and at a way uh, that I could both let them out but then also censor them or kind of have the, the filtering of what would come out at the end, mm. um, kind of in a, in a more public way. So, yeah, so it was trying to be both... Uh, a very direct text and a very abstract one and a very kind of intimate and close one and with a lot of distance. So I could say a little bit about some of the subjects, mm -hmm. maybe, yeah. Um, well, on the very personal level, I was at the moment going through a very... Um, following a situation, uh, a very difficult one that I was putting a lot of energy in. And so that was really kind of burning inside me at the, at the moment. So I both wanted to invest in this subject um, for someone I really cared about, a child, and also for a greater change kind of for society or for this uh, city or country world yeah. we're living in, no? beyond a personal level. Um, but as I said, this involved children, so, and it was not just my own story. So I struggled a lot with how find how can I write about this? How can I talk about this? without going so over someone else's limits. Mm. Uh, and how can I know if this is just something I'm, I'm going through at this moment uh, uh, outside of my kind of art practice, or if it should be part of it, kind of these kind of limits. 
so uh, it was a very hard process to and very emotional to uh, find a way of writing about it without going over someone else's limits. Um, at the same time as kind of acknowledging that I just had to write something. Mm. Um, so because of all this and also uh, bigger discussions that were going on here in Norway and the world um, uh, around after Black Lives Matter, etc., I had a huge um, kind of... I was going through a very <laughs> difficult moment of trying to find how to deal with uh, all these subjects. No? Uh, as subject as racism, like I felt I wanted to give space to this subject. At the same time, I felt, and I still feel, a very strong reject uh, like a rejection towards it. Mm. Um, especially now that it's easy to feel that some people, maybe even myself sometimes, are kind of um, a bit fed up with, oh, again, someone talking about this, no? Um, at the same time, there is no way to avoid seeing that it is there, mm. no? Uh, which, strangely enough, has been a very kind of shocking experience for me, like, um, because I've been a lot away from Norway the last years, and then in 2020, being here a whole year, and um, of course, I knew subject as racism where, like, of course, I know it in my own body, but at the same time, I haven't really focused so much on it. And uh, I didn't know it was like a big problem uh, with kids in Oslo. No, mm. and I was speaking a lot with people. Um, so, um, yeah, so um, at the same time, it was a very inspiring year with many people wanting a change yeah. uh, and all the discussions going on. So it's been very frustrating, motivating, demotivating, yeah. Mm. So, and then there are other subjects that are less personal or less loaded as things that uh, distract you, us in daily life, as a, a little poem with the word, uh, or that are present in our life, like the word melaninrik mm. okay, is a word that is new to me and that uh, I've learned now uh, here the last years here in Norway. And I'm still in the process of finding my relationship to that word. And I even often mistake it for other words. No? Mm. Uh, or it can be a stream of consciousness. Or as I said earlier, just the music that is in the background when you sit in a cafe. Mm. Uh, and maybe it's in English and you don't really get the words, but still you sing it. And death, the always present subject of death. Mm. Because, I th of death. because I think when you have experienced death of the person you were the closest to, it will always be present, like 24 hours, mm. at least from my experience. So it's also a subject that you could choose not to talk about. We can decide not to talk about it now, but it's present. It's always there. No? Yeah. So how did the text develop to become a visual text? Because uh, the first time we talked about you writing for this publication, we were talking about... Uh, it, that it could um, revolve around some breakfast conversation you had here at Black Box Theater the fall 2020. Uh, that were open conversations about topics that you found interesting to talk about. You, you, you invited the guests and had conversations with them, right? Do you want to um, yes, elaborate? Um, for now, been, uh, there are going to be two conversations. So mm. one, as you said, was in the fall. Mm of 2020 with uh, Hanna Vosene Kvam. And the other one was also going to be during that fall with uh, Ibrahim Faslik. But because of Corona, it's been postponed to hopefully to April. 
so basically, it's um, well, each conversation will be very different, but it, it's to together with the invited guests that we find a topic that we really want to talk about and that feels important at the moment. Um, to create a space to meet physically, <laughs> that mm. we really need now, to meet physically early in the morning, uh, quite early, um, to have this very safe space. So it's not being recorded and it's, uh, we have a little bit of uh, some breakfast and coffee and, and to really how to create these safe spaces of having uh, open conversations. No? Mm. But the text is not about these conversations. <laughs> no. <laughs> Something <laughs> happened during the process. Yeah. Um, you also told me that uh, you would like to do this conversation, no, no, this text with someone else, so you didn't have to write it yourself. Yeah. There's a reluctance <laughs> there. <Yeah. laughs> I think it's like the written word. Like I work a lot with text, but it's usually spoken text. Mm. So either having a, and I love having conversations, like I'm not used to having them recorded, but like to to speak and together be creating. I think in the oral uh, word, we can also change our ideas. We can say the opposite. We can change our mind. We can, it's much more fluid in, and alive, I feel sometimes, than the, the written text. I find it very scary, but also very um, interesting. And it's something I want to explore more. Uh, but then you write it and then it's there. And in a book, then it exists there. And then it's kind of uh, solid, no? Mm. So um, so it was a kind of a scary process. So, yeah, I did try in the beginning to find ways to to make you let, let, let me, like, ask someone else to write it. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I would love to write a collective text one day, but uh, I think if the reason is because of my own fear, then maybe it's, uh, it was good that I took the challenge and wrote it myself. Mm. Because mm. the first draft you sent, that was... Uh, it was several pages mm -hmm. and I read it as a stream of consciousness uh, and when we were uh, preparing for this conversation we're having now I found a response I sent to you <laughs> and I said I think it would be nice to compose the text from many different entry points talking about the weather shout, take detours, say things directly poetry and prose in a weave from intuition maybe more from rhythmical necessity than logically explaining. And every time you sent a new draft, it was something totally new and unexpected. Um, there is in the final text, um, the final visual text, there is actually the first poem you wrote mm -hmm. in the first, this several pages of stream of consciousness. It's actually in the, the last, uh, the final version now. And one text was also centering about uh, around uh, discomfort. Can you mm. elaborate more on this process back and forth? We were talking, we were mailing a lot and we were talking a lot on the phone also. Yes, I can talk about that. It's mm. definitely a text that has gone through many, many different forms and uh, possibilities. And I think when being in a state of uh, confusion towards finding the right form, it's also very important to keep in action. So it doesn't just become something that is in your head. So I tried to continuously be creating and throwing away. So that's uh, not just with this text, but in all my work, I try to always be doing, 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 and, and most of it obviously gets thrown away. So I think that discomfort is, um, which I've been talking about, is this feeling of being put in a box that I've never been felt so clearly as the last years. Mm. Um, uh, to t and... Uh, 
and how this body um, represents a positive change, uh, especially for like, for example, for an institution. No, so the fear of being read as just this body, uh, as to being read as the openness of an institution, is something that, uh, at one point, became very heavy to me. Mm. Um, at the same time, um, that's. I also understand that it's an internal process to have to deal with, to really trust myself or to trust yourself, to trust my work and to trust that I am collaborating with institutions I trust. So, <laughs> um, so this was very part of also finding the form and what to talk about and to... Um, yeah, so, so from there came this idea of the diary form that mm -hmm. you proposed, because in a diary you can let anything come in. I know, mm. And you also sent me some examples of other writers and this of just allowing anything to be present and that anything that I wanted to be part of it is okay. No? Mm. So the, and one day I just sat down and just allowed myself to have fun, you know, not, not to be so serious and trying to write about this and that and just to have fun, to mm. have fun with it and to let the text um, be written in whatever form it wanted to be. So it was n nothing planned or anything, just to get it out in any kind of form. So it could be a letter, it could be a sentence, it could be a half sentence, I could interrupt myself, I could not. And of course, all, all that is not part of this, it's quite a short text. But then I found again this joy of writing and of maybe in the text the same joy as of creating a performance. Yeah. No? I think that's to connect with something deeper that then becomes the form it becomes. It's not just about telling something with words. No? Um, and very importantly there, to be able to then say whatever I wanted to say, but that I also am in control of how much of that needs to get out at the end. So yeah. I have the possibility of taking out any word I don't want to be there at the end. So that also gave a lot of freedom uh, and for me and hopefully also for the reader, because then it's, um, it's much more kind of air in it yep. than if all the words were there and all the answers in a way. Mm. Not answers, but you know, all the, the information. Yep, because this could also, like the text can be just looked at and it has the form and it has like some movements in it. It can be read and it's something you cannot read because it's covered and it's it could also be in a space mm -hmm. um, because now at the Oslo International Theater Festival this 2021 uh, where the text is released in this publication you also have a um, performance yes is there any connection between this text and the performance yeah, definitely. Not the text itself, but the way of thinking around it. Mm. So I think that's something that I see this text as, a, for me, just as, as a little, a little discovery of something, you know, that I'm interested in going deeper into. So the performance—I don't know if it's a performance, but uh, yeah, we could call it that. Um, it's uh, called "I Guess You Have a Lot of Questions: A Bedtime Story." And it's created on, in the frame of, of the festival, of Oslo International, the Theatre Festival, and the exhibition Actions of Art and Solidarity uh, that is also now going on at Kunstnernes uh, and is curated by Oka. So in that frame, I created uh, a piece that is uh, evolving around subjects as solidarity and, and more, 
where I had conversation with uh, two women that um, I admire a lot. So it's um, uh, Jasnaya Elena Gil that, uh, and Sigrun Slapgar. Um, so Jasnaya is a linguist and activist um, in Mexico and um, in Oaxaca, Mijil region, region. And um, Sigrun Slapgar is a journalist and writer here in Norway. So I had a lot of conversations with both of them. Uh, challenging a lot these notions of uh, solidarity, of hierarchies, of uh, etc. And each of them wrote a text. So they had the freedom to write the text they wanted to write. And then we recorded that into various languages, into Ayuk, Omije, uh, Spanish, English and Norwegian, with mm. their own voices, uh, in whispering, in murmuring, in uh, talking normally. So that became the base of a sound work that I'm now uh, making that will last eight hours, a whole night. So, uh, and this will be shared in a hotel room, one person at a time, where you can, um, where really the important part of this, or the various part is to create a setting for the listening, but that listening is not easy and you don't need to understand everything. So it's so easy to, to want someone to kind of just give you the answers, to, to make someone uh, just come and tell you, like, for example, like with Yasnaya to, to get someone that um, identifies as indigenous to tell you what it is to be indigenous or to get someone that is black, oh, just tell us how it is. And that's happening a lot now with institutions <coughs> here in Norway, no? So it's, uh, and then we kind of done our part. So to really be, you no know, listening is not easy. No, listening is not easy. It's, uh, it's actually, it's impossible to really, really listen, to really understand. It's impossible, but we can create settings uh, where there is the possibility of listening. And the information is there, the text is there, their, the content, their voices is there, but you're not going to be able to grasp everything. No? So, and this is also through, it's also okay if you want to sleep. So it's a bed, it's an hotel room, like it's, I am not in control if you will listen. And mm. if you don't want to listen, and if you prefer to sleep, that's also okay. So I feel that's really related to this text in the sense of, the, the idea of, of making a text, of getting it out, writing, saying the things you need to say, but then um, to take things out, to censor it, to, to stretch it out, to cover it, to, but it's still there. No? Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was that clear? Was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you listen? Yes. No. Yeah. no, I... <laughs> Some, yes, I did, sorry. Um, so maybe you would like to, even though we started out with saying that this is not uh, a text that could be read as a reading uh, because it has this visual part, would you like to give us a, a taste of the text, like parts of it, read some of it? Yeah, there is one part that is possible to be read. Så skal jeg gå for det? Yes, please. Jeg vil ikke skrive om dette. Let me talk about something else. I am very interested in, for example, death, repetition, fear of death, something positive, death. Repetition on an abstract level can be positive. Repetition as a way to obsessively try to stay in the present. With repetition, death is impossible as we always come back to the present, again and again. Ephemeral art is the ultimate acceptance of death, an act of letting go, 
I like repetition. I want repetition. The most painful thing about death is the impossibility of repetition. I just want to see her one more time. But if it happened, it wouldn't be enough. Because then I would just want to see her one more time. But if it happened, it wouldn't be enough. As then, I would like to just see her one more time. After the performance we went to see last night, she asked me if my mother was blonde. I was so happy and surprised. I said, yes, she saw me. I miss her so much. What would she tell me? I just want to see her one more time. But death knows it's no point. Because if I saw her one more time, it wouldn't be enough. I would then just want to see her one more time. And death knows it's no point. As it wouldn't be enough. As death knows, I would then just want to see her one more time. So death is trying to protect me, being strict. Making a no be a no. That's how you should be. Say no and mean it. But I often change my mind. I say no, but then it's a yes. I don't think I need to win every battle. I don't think everything has to be a battle. So I often change my mind and let the kids have the yes that was a no. But death is firm. Death is really stable. I admire that. Death is trying to protect me. Not giving me a no that then becomes a yes. Fooling me into believing I can ask again and receive a no that is a yes. As if death said no once and then no was a yes, I would always have hope. But death is firm. Death is strict. Death is not interested in repetition. Death is really sure of herself. When she says no, it's no. Forever, no. For eternity. And that is so slimy and heavy inside my chest. Always the chest. For him, it's the throat. For her, it was the eggstocker. Wow. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> you heard a conversation between Maritea Dalin and me, Elin Amundsen Grinaker. To you who have been listening, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate feedback, so feel free to send us a message or use our hashtag BBTPodcast in social media. Stay tuned for the next episode of Black Box Theater Podcast, where you will hear Mariama Fato Kali Slotte read jazz dance and speculative fiction research for fictions of the flesh. <laughs>